The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. Power of water, and I should say the power of fresh water. Our show has been on almost seven years. We've been talking to people all over the world about uh, our life and our health and what we need to challenge every day, and I'm calling it the Health Olympics. But without fresh water on the planet Earth, there'd be no life. Life is in your water. And we are talking about uh, the flu that's going around this year. Uh, This is uh, Monday morning on January 14th, and guess what? The flu is all over the country. They have a different strain of a virus. And every time I talk and or listen to the doctors out there in the country or there's interviews on television with doctors talking about this horrible virus and more viruses coming in the future, all I can think about is why I decided to create Biologic Aqua Research. And I created an organization, a research center so long ago to study dehydration, body water loss. And that has become a a focus to me. I have an enormous wealth of of investment with people all over the world into that center. And what you need to know is this. The power of fresh water is this. Without the water, there is no life. But without the water, you cannot stay healthy. Water has been brought to nature on earth. It's the nature of the solvent. It's not the food. It's not to ever, anything else but the fresh water. So if I'm saying to you, if you want to battle the potential of getting sick or to detoxify or to battle flu or if you get the flu, how to get, how to get rid of the flu as fast as you can, I'm going to tell you, you cannot do it with just called the word liquids, fluids. You need to drink 100%, nothing added in it, fresh water up to 10 glasses a day. It's a must within a 24-hour period without any added ingredient in it. Fresh. The earth is not putting ingredients into the water for you to survive. So you need to be use the common sense that if you want to be healthy, and I call it the Health Olympics, if you want to be part of that, you need to, to put in your di- daily diet and your daily everything about your health to feel better mentally. What is the brain? The brain is 80% water. Your tears of the surface of your eye, did you know that the surface of your eye is 98% water? What happens when there's something that touches the eyes? It causes a blurring and a, and a stinging intentionally. 
the eyes are not comfortable with it. Your skin is 68% water. Your blood is 70% water. You have 50 trillion cells in your body. Two-thirds of the uh, the cell is water. Outside of the cell is one-third water. What is your body? If you want your brain to function, you want your eyes to be healthy, you want your diet to be balanced, you want to be able to be stressed, deal with stress, deal with what you need to do with your everyday life, what is the most important part of your daily routine? The fresh water, but no added ingredients to it. Did you know that there's 6,000 children dying a day on our planet Earth without any water? So what are you going to do when you have water? You know you can stay alive, detoxify, and be healthy as long as you're drinking enough of the water. Did you know that water, fresh water is in a crisis all over the planet? So value it and join the rest of us with this show to concern ourselves with what we need to learn more about the water. And it's vital to us, and um, you will find that if you listen to me and listen to the people I bring on the show through the years, and you can go in and look up uh, the Sharon Klein Hour, Power of Water, and pick out the shows you want to listen to. We've got PhDs, famous authors, scientists from all over the world talking about fresh water as a crisis on the planet you're living on. So uh, today, though, I have an interesting guest. And the reason I'm excited about this is stress causes a dehydration of your body. If you're under stress and you can't handle your everyday bills and now you know you're going to be taxed, no end of taxes are coming to everybody's walk of life. And then you have health insurance that's going to be mandatory to you. That's going to be an added expense or you're fined. And you, maybe you could even go to jail someday if you get enough of those fines if you're not paying enough. So today we have an author of a book called Thomas Corley. And Tommy, Thomas is a CPA, certified financial consultant. He's a tax, uh, he does, uh, does tax, certified to do taxes. But he's got a book called Rich Habits. The day, so what that might mean is how do you believe that you could add more to your own pocketbook? Even if you didn't have 10 cents yesterday extra, how can you add another 10 cents the next day? With what's happening in the United States and around the world, you have to prepare for trying to get your vision out there and getting ahead. And everybody likes to have a day they wake up and their bills are paid and they feel like they're getting above the water, we'll say, where you have a little extra money and maybe your savings. So we'll have an exciting show today so you can uh, learn more about that, relieve a little of that stress. But first, we're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. At the surface of your eye is 98% water. Did you know that if you're having eye complaints and fatigue and burning eyes and allergies and, and stress, did you ever think that's called dry eye? Your eyes are dehydrating too quickly. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the only product globally with tissue culture grade water to be able to give yourself a mist right in front of those eyes without a reflex of the eyelid, just a fine mist. I use it even with cosmetics. It doesn't run my cosmetics. It's wonderful for contact lenses. If I'm getting fatigued and drowsy and sitting at a computer, you can use it all day long. And if you're a truck driver, you can use it as you're driving. It's no no distraction with just a mist, 100% natural, 
tissue culture grade water. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature Cheers Imus, and we'll be right back with Thomas Corley. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Thomas, are you with us? Hi, Sharon. How are you? I am fine, and, and uh, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your program. Well, I noticed you're living, uh, you live in New Jersey. Were you affected by Hurricane Sandy? Um, we were affected. We uh, lost quite a few trees. Thankfully, nobody got hurt. The, the house was uh, in good shape, but um, followed up with that snowstorm, it really uh, played havoc uh, with our neighborhood. So, uh, but you know, uh, uh, parts of New Jersey did get uh, devastated. Mm-hmm. Now, you are very fascinated. Obviously, first of all, tell our uh, listeners. Uh, what your background is, and you probably heard sure. me with your introduction that I studied dehydration, body water loss. Dehydration can be ca- as caused from the moment you're born. We're no longer living in water, and stress today is causing a lot of problems to people's health, Thomas. And the, de- the dehydration of stress, of not being able to pay your bills, the anxiety of taxes, going to your gas pump or your grocery store or your everyday items are going to be taxed one way or the other. People are going to have more money taken out of their lifestyle. And uh, you're going to be talking to people about, well, the rich habits. But there's also people that are down in the streets all over the world that would love to be able to get up in the morning and have an extra 10 cents. So eventually they'd feel richer because they had some money that they didn't have to spend that day that was extra. So I'm going to come from that today. But tell us uh, about your background and how you got fascinated by the uh, rich habits. Well, it's, it really is a great story. I think it, it itself is a, is a book, the story behind rich habits, because uh, I'm a CPA. I'm a certified financial planner. What I do most of the, my, my day involves taxes, financial planning, helping clients, minimize their taxes and helping them uh, manage their retirement, college planning, and et cetera. Um, one client uh, about uh, 
seven, eight years ago, came into my office. He was a small business client. He was struggling financially. Um, the bank had just pulled his line of credit, and uh, he couldn't make payroll. Now, he had been in business for, you know, 30 years. This was the first time that he was going through something like this, but he would he was always losing money, just not a lot. Uh, the bank just got fed up, and they said, you know, we're not going to extend you any more uh, credit. And he was unable to make payroll. A lot of families, about 25 of them, uh, didn't were not unable to pay their bills uh, and were affected by it. And he was distraught, came into my office, and uh, he sat down. He looked me straight straight in the eye and he, eyes, and he said, Tom, what am I doing wrong in life? And he started crying. I was going to say, it sounds like the tears could have been in the eyes. Yes. Yeah, you talk about water. There was a lot of water in my office that day. And I was, you know, I heard this question before, Sharon. It wasn't the first time somebody asked me what they were doing wrong, but I never heard it with such emotion. Uh, And by someone who really wanted to truly know what it was that wealthy people did, successful people did, that he wasn't doing. And so I embarked on what became a five-year study of the uh, daily habits of 233 wealthy individuals and 128 poor individuals. And um, what I uncovered it was actually an incredible discovery. I think it is the secret to financial success, quite frankly, is that wealthy people have vastly different daily habits than poor people. And these daily habits are responsible for our financial success in life or our financial ruin. And if you're doing in the middle, if you're middle class, you're doing okay, that means you have some good habits and some bad habits. And I've identified 10 core uh, daily success habits that wealthy people have that are responsible for their great wealth. Now, let's have fun with that. Let's start out with that. What are those 10 um, that... People out there on the, uh, and I don't care. You know, I, I learned years ago, Thomas. The more wealth you have, the co- harder it can fall, and the more it's tougher to hang on because there's always somebody after you. The least you have, that if you should have a problem like he might have had, the easier you can pick up your boots, put your boots on, and work at going forward and get out of it. So I'm not one of those who thinks that wealthy people have it so easy um but again uh, we have a challenge today here in the united states of america and all over the world all over the world that people that always had a vision and they have visions more than ever in history because of television presence um the internet presence they know what other people are doing but there's people out there that you're right the gentleman got into an economy a problem uh, probably where the banks were pulling other loans because the banks were in so much trouble. And he probably didn't ask for that to happen. It happened. So what did you, uh, what do you, what are the 10 things you've been learning that people need to hear about? Whether my listeners are multi-billionaires or my listeners are trying to pay their bills. Um, one of the stark differences that I uncovered in my uh, five-year study was that wealthy individuals Rich parents teach their kids that in order to be financially successful in life, you need to engage in continuous, lifelong educational self-improvement. You have to be on a life quest to improve yourself. Now, as you become an adult, that, that self-improvement uh, is, 
career related has to be devoted to your career you want to engage in uh, daily career related self improvement and what i uncovered is that wealthy adults uh, spend on average about 30 minutes a day engaged in career related reading they're reading every single day at least 30 minutes uh, their periodicals their industry periodicals blogs newsletters uh, books that are related to their industry and rich parents make their kids, they mandate that their children engage in this similar uh, educational self-improvement. They instill Can I back in you kids... up? Can I back up for a second? So, and I'll do that. You know, we radio talk shows hosts interrupt a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's I, I always, it's an excuse for me to say why I've always interrupted Thomas. But I like to stop the person before we get too far. Uh, so what's happening is you're finding that some of the habits that people who are very, very a visionary with a lot of ambition and um, to have a future of something, during the day, there's at least off and on during the day, they're bumping into or intentionally reading something that teaches them something more about what their visions are to reinforce them, that that may be something they're working toward as a vision, as a exciting passion of something they'd like to do for every day to earn money, but also like something they want to do to contribute to their career. Let's call it career or their occupations. Yeah, the uh, the, the important thing home. here, <laughs> important takeaway here is the reason they why do they engage in this um, career related reading, and the why is because they want to increase their knowledge base so that they can uncover opportunities. You see, Sharon, when you know a little bit more, when you learn a little bit more about your field, whatever it is, whether you're a doctor or a CPA or whether you're in the trades, if you learn something new about the field that you're in, it gives you a leg up over your competition. And wealthy people understand this. They're looking at this career-related self-improvement not just as a way to stroke their egos so that they feel that they know more than the next guy or the next woman, but so that they can make more money because they want to be able to see the opportunities, which is what happens. You, It opens up your eyes to a world of opportunities when you increase your knowledge base. And these opportunities um, create the opportunity they manifest financial rewards in their lives it might be a bonus it might be a new client it might be a you know a new customer just paying your it might bills. be anything <laughs> yeah it's, Thomas, it's just paying the bills <laughs> yeah it might but, you know, more money to, to pay something. your bills i and, may i may say something there that might be uh, something to think about uh, when you come from a family that sits around the dinner table, and they used to sit around a dinner table, Thomas, and my family, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 71 years old, and I found you. myself as a young person, when we sat at the dinner table, my father had a business, and uh, my mother was a household engineer, although she graduated at it was from college, but she stayed home, took care of the family, and then she helped my father later, but and, and his company, but the thing about it is, is when you sit around the table, and my family happened to talk business. I had a grandfather who had an insurance company. He talked business. So kids who are around families who are talking about the business or the challenges or the good things and, and what they're trying to achieve and something to do about the clients or whatever it may be, that becomes quite a vulnerable um, 
habit in a, in a young person's mind because there's vision then. Because the family's talking about a vision around the table, um, whether they're paying their bills or not at the time. And, and do you think I'm right or wrong? Because that becomes contagious. That becomes very vulnerable to young people. If the family sits around the table and mm-hmm. freely begins to talk about life, but also if the family is in going, talking about their work or whether they own a business right. or not. It's just how they bring the money home to the table. So the kids become much more ambitious about how they would do it because they're listening to that. Do you think I'm right or wrong? No, no. It's actually the reason I wrote Rich Habits was because of those dinner conversations that wealthy people are having with their there kids. There we go. Yeah. Poor families are not having those dinner conversations. They're having no, they're not sitting at a table anymore, Thomas. Yeah, well, that's another. That's a whole, Sharon. You're hitting on a whole other um, issue, which is talk about well, really tears uh, to our eyes. Um, these children today, uh, you know, they're wanting them to grow up too fast. Number one, number two. Uh, they 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 make fun of them if they get to, to talking like they're bragging about what they want to do, and uh, and so I find that what you're doing uh, to try to reach out. Now, gosh, I wish you could take that, uh, maybe get a another title to your book. Go out to these schools and tell these kids this is something I've been learning by writing these books. And these if there's something that you can do any day you wish is you get out of bed, you put your feet on the ground. You begin a health Olympics, and that Olympics means you're thinking about what's going to make you a better person, but that makes it good for everybody else around you. But you've got to pay your bills, and along the way, would you accidentally become well-to-do and maybe someday rich uh, with being able to pay your bills and have other visions and be able to contribute to paying back to people because you did have success? And don't forget how you got your success, because if you didn't get success, there always takes no into people to help the person become successful. Thomas, with what I do, if I didn't have the whole wide world helping me through every scape, scrape and turn and everything I do, it takes the world out there to participate for the person to become successful. And the children out there, Thomas, in the schools need to start getting excited, not embarrassed about visioning that they can do it if they want to. And there will be obstacles to paying your bills and obstacles to getting where you want to go. But, Thomas, don't we learn more from those obstacles than we than if we didn't have them? We uh, yes, there's a number of ways that you be, you know you learn about financial success principles. The one that you're talking about, Sharon, is the school of hard knocks. That um, that's one way. The other way is by parents teaching their kids these good daily habits. Another way or another path to financial success is if you um, run into a really outstanding teacher in life and they uh, teach you or pass along to you some success principles that nobody else did. The uh, fourth way is uh, if you run into a mentor in life. Uh, some of us are very fortunate in life uh, as adults to run into to mentors who uh, say, hey, you, you know what, uh, Tom, you're doing it wrong. Here's the right way to do it, and this is the way you should be doing it. And then you pick up these good tips, these success tips. Uh, so if you, there's four paths. It's either from your parents, uh, either from the school system, you either pick it up through a mentor or the school of hard knocks. And why I wrote Rich Habits, Sharon, was I wanted to create a fifth path that was available to everyone where you didn't have to rely on luck, where all you had to do was sit down and read, and um, un- and if by reading you will understand exactly what it is uh, 
that wealthy people do on a daily basis from the minute that they put their feet on the floor to the minute that they put their head on the pillow. Well, the one thing about, there's, yeah, I'm glad you brought the word luck up. There's no luck. And uh, there was, a, years and years ago, Aristotle Anassas said uh, uh, that his, his, uh, his uh, secret to where he got being one of the biggest shipping magnets in the world, he used to be a waiter in a, in a restaurant growing up. And that the people he met, you're right, Thomas, the people he met in that upscale restaurant were all talking around him, with him, acquainted with him. He'd overhear them about what, how they were doing their business and mm-hmm. what they were achieving. He became vulnerable. He liked it. And they started advising him. And, and that is the key. It's if, you're, if you want to be around, that's the other thing, Thomas, if these young people want to be around people who have no vision, they're not going to either. It's who you make your acquaintances with that draw attention to what you want to do with your life. That's absolutely right. And one of the rich habits, the relationship rich habit, um, I talk about that. In fact, um, some of these strategies that we're talking about, or I'll talk about, uh, Sharon, are at richhabitsinstitute.com. I have all sorts of free reports. Besides the place to get the book, you can go on there and get a free report on to find out if you're raising your kids on the right track to be financially successful in life or to be on the wrong track to be financially um, destitute. Uh, There's also, uh, there's four strategies that wealthy people use uh, to um, improve their careers, to make, I call it, make yourself unfireable. And I have those strategies on the website. Oh, boy. Uh, We want to hear before this show's done, how do you make yourself so you don't get fired? <laughs> yeah, it's a, I'll tell you, it's a great report, and uh, we'll talk about it. The, uh, the first one we talked about. Don't ask for a raise. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, you want, you want I, to be uh, getting raises. That's the important thing. The important thing is you shouldn't have to ask for a raise. If you're unfireable, they'll be more than happy to give you exactly. the raises because they don't want to lose you. Uh, whoever it is, whether it's your uh, yeah. employer or your customers or clients. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, so there's, there's one of the strategies is we talked about career-related reading. Wealthy people engage in this every day, 30 to 45 minutes a day. Now, have you interviewed Donald Trump? And, you know, he has that very successful program out there on being an executive. Uh, have you uh, gone in and read anything he's written about how Oh, sure. One of the things that Donald Trump, uh, I love this one um, um, I guess it's an ideology, but he, he says, look, if you want to be successful in life, and this is exactly what Rich Habits is all about, you have to have a couple of things. One is focus. The second thing is uh, persistence. And the third thing is patience. Uh, those three things are so critical in life, and that's what Rich Habits is all about because if you follow the Rich Habits, you're engaging in focus, so you had, I'm sorry, persistence, sorry to interrupt. and patience. You've got focus. You've got Patience and what was the other one? A focus, persistence, and persistence. patience. Boy, that's those... right. There's one other I'd add to there personally. Focus, discipline, the focus, discipline, discipline, the patience, and discipline. What was the other one? Um, persistence, persistence, patience, and focus. And don't give up. Your don't give up. Deal with your obstacles as if they're intellectual property values for your future. Yeah, and that, that's one of the things that uh, why I, Rich Habits is so profound is that yeah. it's a program that if you follow it, you're engaging in the three things that Donald Trump says are important, focus, mm-hmm. persistence, and patience. But, you know, it's also practical. You can understand exactly what um, 
how what it takes to become successful from just following these daily habits of wealthy people. This I'm not painting with a broad brush. I'm telling readers, uh, this is how you tie your shoes. You know, you take the two loops, you, you bring them together, and you pull it. I explain in detail exactly what it is you need to be doing, the strategies you need to employ in order to grow your relationships. And uh, we, we talk about how they, the hello call, the happy birthday call, the life event call, and networking and volunteering. These are all strategies I uncovered in my research. Wealthy people use these strategies. No, the poor, poor people don't know these strategies even exist. Wealthy parents teach their kids these strategies. Well, and that's why the rich get rich. Environmental conditions are teaching them that. Yeah, I believe, Sharon, uh, the school system is doing a disservice to our kids because they're uh, raising our kids to be um, really financially illiterate, and they're raising a generation of poor people. I mean, just look at the average uh, child today. 16% of them are obese. Uh, that's a horrible bad habit that parents and the school system, really the parents are teaching their kids. Uh, the, you know, it's a habit to want to go to these fast food restaurants. It's a bad habit, and you have to break that bad habit. But uh, the other thing is your kids graduating college, they have $25,000, a little bit more than $25,000 in student loans when they graduate, uh, and they're forced to put off buying a house. They're for, forced to put off starting a family. So all of these bad habits that parents are teaching and our school system is not correcting uh, are, are helping raise a generation of what will be poor people. Do you think, Thomas, and many, many years ago I heard something from a very successful businessman about what's going on inside the schools, but do you think it's what's happened in our society, in, in the United States now, is that our kids are going to school to learn to become successful people, and the teachers don't have enough uh, confidence in themselves at, at the front of that class that maybe the child, the person in there is too ambitious, and the, and the teacher wants to wants to, wants them to be more on the teacher's level because the teacher wants to be a teacher. The teacher doesn't believe that a teacher is that successful. Uh, that the teacher believes, well, they'll never go out and be able to do that because they're a teacher. Do you think that some kids' uh, ambitions are probably cre- causing a uh, lack of confidence with the teacher, and that's why the teachers are not doing like our teachers used to do, try to encourage our ambitions? I think there are some teachers that are really good at what they do and some that are really bad at what they do and some that are in the middle. When my son, Brendan, who was uh, we uh, early on, and this is where parents have to step in, we recognized that he, um, he had something the other kids didn't have. He was gifted and talented. So we uh, went to speak to the teacher, and, of course, the teacher didn't, you know, promote it. Yeah, we have this gifted and talented program. But the parents, my wife and I, went in there and we said, do you have any programs for kids like Brendan who are, you know, just doing very well in life or picking up this stuff very quickly? Oh, yeah, we have this gifted and talented program. I think the, where teachers um, can really do the kids a lot of good is if they identify that where kids are either struggling and get them into um, – to get them the assistance they need, and there are resources in the public school system, or if they realize that they're gifted and get them into another program that, that you know, there are programs, the Gifted and Talented Program in New Jersey, uh, to get them into these programs. Where the teachers fail is by not 
really taking the initiative to move these kids into the areas w- where they belong. And uh, we, we experienced both ends of the spectrum. Uh, they did not uh, bring, raise the uh, issue to us that our kid was gifted, that our son was gifted. Well, what is it, happening to Thomas, excuse me, but what is happening also is we're in a society in this country where as a teacher feels that one young person has a lot of, of talent, but, oh, well, we'll let the parents take care of them and we'll take care of the young person who doesn't have anybody encouraging them. Um, do you realize that that percentage of uh, people in our country that are um, uh, not, uh, it, it, what, what is that percentage of people in our country? Uh, uh, about, was it about 5% of the population in the United States are truly financially successful? Then you've That's got right. another percentage that, that are not quite so successful out there at the, toward a scale that they don't believe they ever could be successful. And the teacher is going to be more favorable over helping the person who is vulnerable to not being successful than helping the person who could be successful uh, because of their confidence in themselves and their pa- family's encouragement. Do you think that the, in the classroom today that the teachers are favoring the one that doesn't have the uh, conditions at home to help them more? I, th- they I think there's, there's no question where you're going with this is something I talk about in the school system, and I've talked to over 2,000 high school students, is this entitlement mindset that our kids yes. are being indoctrinated yes. into, where and they're entitled to everything. They're entitled to, um, you know, if they're yes. not struggling, it's not their fault. They're not doing their right. homework. Right. And it's, it's not their fault that they're not doing their homework. There's some other reason why they're not yeah. doing their homework. This um, this is really, I, when I go into the classrooms, I ask uh, the kids um, three questions. How many want to be financially successful in life? And everybody raises their hand. How many think they will be financially successful in life? Everybody raises their hand. How many uh, in this classroom have taken a course on how to be financially successful in life? And not one hand gets raised. And, Sharon, this is why I go into the, the schools, because I know the teachers don't know how to raise, how to educate our our high school students in particular on how to be financially successful in life. They just don't know. They don't know what to do. They don't know the first thing. They know how to teach them the basics, but they don't know. They're barely teaching financial literacy. So when I go into the classrooms, my agenda is to try and educate these kids on some of the rich habits because these rich habits will transform their lives. They'll take that 95% that are struggling financially and eking out a living, and they'll transform them into the 5%. They'll be able to get break into that um, glass ceiling that represents the 5% of success. Thomas, we're going to take a moment for our sponsor, and we're going to come back, right back and then you can tell me and the audience uh, where you feel that people are really going to be receptive to thinking about the word rich. Rich means what? to people out there because it sounds like you've been learning about that word. You know, we have a, uh, uh, words that are inventions, and there's a word called that's been invented called rich. What does that mean to the kids when you're talking to them? We're going to listen to our sponsor, and Thomas, don't you go anywhere. We're going to be right back, and you can teach us about that. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Missed, and we'll be right back with Thomas Corley. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. 
Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinerHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinerHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Thomas, tell us when, you know, you're a writer, and, and you can tell us, why did you cho- choose the word for your title of your book, The Word Rich? Did you really, did you believe or do you believe that when you're talking to people, especially with what's happening to our uh, divided uh, culture and uh, not culture, society, I just hate even saying society, if what's happened in the past few years in our country, we are more divided than ever in history about that word. Right. It's almost Uh, like there's a prejudice, there's a prejudice or a, um, whatever I don't. What would be the word you'd choose? There's a war on the wealthy. There's a war know, on America. people who pay their bills. <laughs> there's a there's a war there's a war on two things. There's a war on the wealthy, and there's a war on the American dream. And what what when I talk about rich people, uh, I or tell my readers I don't want you to think about a rich person in any way other than an American dream achiever. And this is someone who embraces the American dream, the idea of unlimited opportunity of advancing uh, your financial life for you and your family and hoping that your children will have a better life than you. This is about really achieving the American dream. Rich Habits is all about the American dream. When they, um, during this last presidential election campaign, it really bothered me that they were beating the wealthy up and talking oh. negatively about success in this country, what a way saying to win things like you didn't build that, oh. when, of course, the government doesn't build anything. They take did they realize, money. Thomas, do they realize, uh, did they realize what they did to these young kids coming up to make them feel uncomfortable if they wanted to think about paying their bills, getting ahead, and maybe someday having wealth? I, think I, I did, don't they realize I think it's intentional, Sharon. I think they're trying to replace the American dream with, uh, which is a dream of unlimited opportunity, to a revised dream of limited opportunity and unlimited entitlements. And this is bad for America. It's going to destroy America if we don't stop it. Uh, but there's well, I had the a worst... person from Europe recently tell me that the United States is getting toward, uh, and not toward, is more like France than any country of the world, that they're turning toward the directions that France ended up having to get to, is that they're not encouraging wealth, they're discouraging wealth, and they want those entitlements, they want the government to be the sole, the biggest employer, they want the government to tell every single human being how you're going to live in that day, not just tomorrow, that moment, that day. 
And uh, I was a little surprised. And then when I evaluated it, I thought, you know, and what you just said, too, about our young. Young people uh, from all over the world wanted to come to America. In fact, the new president of um, Egypt, he, 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 all of his education was in America. We have, yeah, it, uh, we have people all over the world that are uh, uh, leaders of their country that came to America to get their ambitions and be educated. We had my husband came here from Holland and uh as a young man, a family, and he had he was able to uh, explore and and grow his ambitions. And they came away from the high taxes and they came away from the socialized medicine because they weren't able to get the medicine, the medical care that they really knew. And the one member of the family had moved into America and learned more about health care and about how you could work very hard and have something left for yourself after you paid your bills. Um, so what you were finding out, and we've been all finding out, that these young people that are being influenced, that they may never get to be there. So you might as well be contented with entitlements. Yeah, it's not an accident that they're beating up on the wealthy, Sharon, and trying to make the wealthy, uh, or trying to portray the wealthy as bad, evil. I mean, every you can't pick up a newspaper without uh, the press, the media, uh, honing in on some a really nasty wealthy individual one out of in my opinion one out of a thousand because the wealthy the, the majority the for every one bad apple there are 99 really good uh, wealthy people who are uh, bettering the lives of uh, their employees their communities the, the everyone around them is imp- being improved because they exist uh, but you don't get that in the press because it's not scintillating. What you want is you want to get the the bad, evil, rich person, and they uh, it sells newspapers. It's it's the message they're trying. It's the ideology they're trying to force force feed our kids. And if you don't believe me, I I tell you one little trick that I use when I go into classrooms. I ask the kids, uh, have, has anybody ever read? or heard the story Robin Hood, and of course all the hands go up in the air, and I said, how many people here, how many kids here think that Robin Hood is a good guy? Uh, all the hands go up. How many people think he's a bad guy? None of the hands go up, maybe one yeah. or two. And I said, do you know that Robin Hood was a thief and he stole from, from other people, which makes him a bad person? And I'll tell you, Sharon, almost every time I say that, uh, one, of the, one of the teachers intervenes. And they say, hold on a minute, you're, you're misrepresenting Robin Hood. And I said, hold on a minute, you guys have misrepresented Robin Hood. These kids understand two things, steal from the rich and give to the poor. And that's a bad thing. Uh, it doesn't matter that the wealthy person in the story was a bit, were bad people. Mm-hmm. The point is you're indoctrinating the kids into thinking that uh, poor people are good, wealthy people are bad, and the reason that poor people... Uh, wealthy people are bad is because they have too much, and it's okay for poor people to get some of what the wealthy person has. This is a bad uh, lesson. Well, can I can I back you up for a second, and let's get into it also uh, before we have to, we don't have that much time left. We only have maybe twelve minutes at the longest. Uh, Thomas, what are you learning when you're running around and you're talking to people and these the young people? What do they think about all these taxes? Are they so naive to believe that they're going to have more bread, uh, as bread on their table or as much bread on their table to pay their bills as with all these taxes that are coming? Do they, are, do they really understand the impact to every single person that's out there? 
Uh, the small businesses do. The small businesses are, uh, they've got their fingers on the pulse of, of these tax increases and they're really concerned. I have some discussions with some of my small business clients in terms of downsizing, you know, firing people because of the tax increases. They're um, afraid that if they they make too much money, if they take on too much responsibility, too many uh, contracts, that they're going to tip over this artificial threshold that uh, the president and Congress have created. Well, now, so that, now let's back up for a minute so our listeners can understand. So this, you, you've, you've been learning because your, your background is also taxes, mm-hmm. uh, studying taxes and preparing taxes and financially consulting. You have found that people are worried that they cannot continue to pay their bills if they continue that type of, of capital investment in their employees or into adding more business to their income because of the extra money they're going to have to put out that's going to be unforeseen. Did, yeah, I, did two, I say that two, correctly? Yes, <laughs> I, think, I think you are hitting the nail on the head. The two things that they're really specifically worried about is Obamacare. Uh, that's number one. Oh, they have the right to. In fact, you, I have noticed, have you noticed how naive people are about what that's going to cost and every single human being is going to have to pay for it yeah there's there's no doubt it's the cost is it's only going to escalate the cost and let me tell you why sharon um the reason we have escalating costs reason why medical costs are right now in the private sector uh, kind of out of control and premiums in the private sector are going up is because of medicare and medicaid the government has interfered with our health care system through medicare and medicaid and the doctors who are you have to be part of medicare and medicaid to, generally if you're associated with a hospital for sure you have to be associated you have to be um, a member you know you have to accept medicare and medicaid uh... so these doctors are forced to take medicare and medicaid and what happens is um, they don't get what their fee would be. They might might be a discount of fifty percent. The government says you're you know whatever you your service you're going to get fifty percent because that's what we're we're agreeing to pay you through Medicare and Medicaid. So the doctor takes that fifty percent cut haircut, and then they go into the private sector, and then they increase our fees in the private sector uh, by you know. A, 50% or 100% to get to their, um, to, to make it a wash. And what happens in the private sector then is the costs escalate and premiums go up. So the government has created the situation where medical costs are spiraling out of control, and now they're coming in to, with Obamacare claiming to fix it. And they're not going to fix it. It's going to get worse. That's right. It's going to get a lot See, worse. See, people don't realize. Go follow, me, follow me for a second. Have you ever heard, Thomas, with your background, because you're around a lot of people in front of a computer. Did you know that computers are causing a disability with people's eyes because they cannot, they go to the doctor so often and find out, oh, my God, my eyes, I can't sit at that computer. And, and, oh, and then the doctor says, well, I guess we can prove that you can, you can go on disability. When a person goes on just all these kinds of disabilities, who's going to pay for their disability? Well, the trick, the, the trick that you're talking about is getting on Social Security disability. Uh, and this is happening. This is this has been an epidemic in the last three years. Uh, people are getting on Social Security disability, and they're never getting off. Once you get on Social Security disability, it's hard to come off of it because in order to get on Social Security disability, it has to be a long-term disability. When you get these doctors and the um, and then they're going to the doctor to keep up to prove they're ha- disabled. 
That's right, and they and then, and then they, they go back they in and they use that again, that uh, Medicare or whatever it may be, public assistance, whatever it may be. But what I'm saying here, Thomas, is that we are all people. Have got to realize. In our 50 states, I call them 50 countries to do business, and our forefathers were smart enough out of all the countries of the world, they divided it into 50 to do business in their own state, and they can do business with other states so that they could become very, very, with their economy within each state, a very successful economy with their own ambitions. Now, it's kind of like looking at the state as a person. And 50 people, 50 states, want to be ambitious within their own borders. And what happened here now, and I, and I could see where the healthcare program, uh, I'm in the medical field and I'm in research, I, w- I can see where our healthcare needed to be improved, but not during the worst economy in history. I truly believe it could have been postponed until the economy had been, um, uh, been, uh, the economy could have been corrected and uh, get to where it's progressing to get improved. But they did, they, they did uh, Thomas, they're doing all this taxes, they're doing all this, uh, well, uh, health care pro- uh, programs, all these programs during the worst economy in the history of the planet. And, and yeah, but the, Does it make reason, any sense The reason they're doing it, Sharon, is because they had an opportunity to uh, shove this down our throats. Remember, uh, this was something that uh, did not have a mandate. Uh, in Congress, and uh, they, well, they, they had fought. no budget either for four years. Right, that's true. They, now they're think, arguing I, about budgets. They did not have one budget, and uh, and now they're talking about who's fought the budget. But back to you and your background. How are you going to handle uh, the frustrations and and all the anger management of people coming to you during tax season? And they're going to find out. They don't get the rebate. They don't get the refund they used to get. They're going to be paying taxes every all year long for more than than they ever thought about, and they're not going to be able to pay their bills. Charity. We've been the most charitable country in the world within our country and the rest of the world. They're not going to have any money to be, to be charitable. It, it it these tax increases, these increased re, this increased regulation. Uh, they all come with a cost, and the cost is always one common thing. The poor person gets hurt, uh, and they're always the one to suffer. And the, this tax increase that they just pushed through the, uh, at the last minute the, is going to um, result in – it's going to force small businesses to really think long and hard about, hi- first of all, hiring anyone new, and second of all, they're lo- they are looking at t- firing people in order to stay under the four hundred and four hundred and fifty thousand dollar threshold. Uh, and this Obamacare, I-, I can tell you, I've already how many government employees are going to be fired? Do you think? I don't know. The go- I don't I'm teasing. I'm really. I'm, I'm being a little facetious. I brought. Yeah. I, I apologize to my listeners. I, I, I you won't find probably one. Yeah, what happens, what happens, by, Sharon, uh, is... I bet um, they increased in government employees by at least a half a million people to keep up with all this. What generally happens is uh, when, they, when they institute legislation, when they sign legislation like this tax increase, a, a year or two goes by and then they, they realize it was a bad idea because uh, unemployment increases, which will happen. Uh, and then um, the, they don't, there isn't enough money to fund the, the public sector on the state and local level, so they get... 
those individuals uh, in the government at the state and local level end up getting terminated. The federal government, it's hard, it's, it's hard to make a case that the federal government has been responsible during this recession uh, in terms of terminating employees because they haven't. They've increased employment. No, they employment. haven't. They've been increasing. So, and that's something the audience has to realize, Thomas, and you can correct me because this is your background as a financial consultant. When the government puts somebody on the payroll, that is a fixed expense to the taxpayer, to the people paying taxes. I don't care if you're paying taxes at your, at your, uh, to get your gas, paying taxes, uh, on your groceries, paying taxes. Anytime, everything's going to be taxed. So therefore, every time they hire somebody, your taxes go to pay, and that's a fixed expense. Um, have you ever noticed, uh, on Wall Street, whenever they announce through the years that they just laid off 1,000, 10,000 people, how the stock market, that stock went up uh, because people were firing people? Right, because they were to being To lower included. their expenses, so included. all of a sudden the world was going to invest in that stock because they lowered their expenses, and then they found out later that really didn't work as well as they thought in the long run. What, and what we're going through, if you take that analogy, Sharon, is we have a government who's increased employment during one of the worst recessions we've ever had, and um, and the world is watching, and the world is looking at it and saying, hey, you know what, we would have expected you to, to you know, increase the number of individuals who were terminated, not increase the number that were hired. Uh, and so the rest of the world is looking at the federal government and saying, yes, well, are. I talk yeah, to I people all over the world, and they're there. very, very discouraged with the United States of America. It's not doing business right now, thinking that the whole planet is being affected by the way they're looking at the government is not the business. The people that you were talking about today on the streets of America are the business, even going to your own home. You know, Thomas, I look at – I don't even look at the homeless like a lot of people might think I might. They got there somehow. And the thing about it is, is each person has to put some bread on the table, pay their bills, and get up in the morning, work at what they're trying to do to survive, achieve, and go forward in their lives that we have available to live on this gift of being on the planet. Uh, you know, I just had my birthday, and I thought, thank you, God, for this gift. I'm, I, I love living on this planet. I w- want to know what I can do to give back to this planet. And you look at these people every day trying to make ends meet. Sure, if they get to the point that they've endured enough obstacles and they, they climbed enough mountains and they were able to go through the coals of fire and they became well-to-do enough to hang on to their dear lives. But it looks like to me in our country that people forgot that every single home is a business. They have a business to try to pay their bills. Yeah, it's, and it's the home and, they, and the those microcosm tax of, benefits, of those uh, tax America. benefits are able to give them encouragement that if you pay, if you're paying taxes, that that uh, you'll get a rebate like a, a dividend. In other words, you pay your taxes, we'll hold your money for a while, and you get a little bit back as a dividend. I look at it that way, Thomas. And but again, what you're doing uh, is very heartwarming because I've said to so many people in the past few years. I don't believe that America understands the vocabulary of what they're saying during the campaign. I don't think they understand what the what the, the Wall Street is saying. I don't think they understand the word small business. Do you know all these doctors that have clinics? They have small businesses. They're called clinics. They're going to go out of business. 
Yeah, there's, they're not the only ones. The, if, when you hit that threshold of 50 employees, <clears throat> you really have to rethink um, what, what your business model is because the government now has um, thrown a wrench into your small business. It's interfering with your small business through this Obamacare. So now you have to really think long and hard, oh, you, you know, I... I wanted to grow my business. Now, now I've got to reverse the, the whole American dream strategy uh, because the government is uh, punishing me if uh, I'm successful. Well, a lot of my doctors out there that have had very successful private practices are saying they're going to sell, there's nothing to sell anymore because all the doctors, and that's a small business. You have all of these small businesses out there, all kinds of small businesses, whether it be a person who does nails, a person who's doing your reflexology, massage for medical therapy. You've got your doctors. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of people out there that's called small business. They're not a big corporation in business. They're having to deal with the fact of more taxes, more pro, more more uh, software to keep track of all of the legality of keeping in business, all the extra expenses to be formal. On top of during the worst economy in the country, we're having this what's called new healthcare planning that is going to be killing everybody. And it doesn't mean people won't want to have better healthcare. It just means they did it at the wrong time of history to me. But you, yeah. uh, we're, our time is out. What would you like to say to our listeners to come and find you? And, um, and, I think uh, um, uh, the richhabitsinstitute.com is the website where you can not only uh, get a copy of uh, either the e-book or the hard copy version of Rich Habits. It's a great book. It's a short read. It uh, will tell you exactly what you need to do from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed in order to be successful in life. And also there are free reports how to make yourself unfireable. Also, wealthy people set goals differently than poor people and everybody else. I have a report on there on how to set goals. Uh, there's some quizzes you can take to find out if you're, you're on the right track or if you're raising your kids to be on the right track. All at the richhabitsinstitute.com. You can get all these goodies for free. All right, and then also invite you to come to their schools and talk to their kids about encouragement. <laughs> That's right. I do that. I've spoken to over 2,000 high school students in the last two years. Well, thank you. Okay, well, I appreciate you coming on and giving us your valuable time, and I think you taught us all a lot. Thank you, you have Cheryl, a nice for having day. me on. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Wow. Well, think about your health, about all about your life where you have to pay your bills. I want to thank you for listening today. I, I say at the end of every show that water is the power of your life, fresh water, so you drink plenty of water. But always remember that you embrace your life. It's going to be embracing somebody else's. But earth is always whispering. Don't take it with you. Don't say goodbye. Leave something behind of yourself. I want to thank you for listening. You have a nice day, and you be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.